Welcome to Dog Talk and Kitties Too. I'm Tracy Hotchner. I love dogs and cats and the people who care about them. Every week I talk with authors and experts to expand our understanding and appreciation of the animals who share our lives. To hear earlier episodes of the show and download podcasts of other Pet Talk radio shows I co-host with top veterinarians and experts, please go to RadioPetLady.com. Dog Talk is a production of Pet Media Inc., which is solely responsible for its content. The birthplace of this show was WPPB 88.3 from Southampton, New York, and I'm proud to have been on Peconic Public Broadcasting for 550 consecutive shows over 12 years. I also produce the annual New York Dog Film Festival, sponsored by the Petco Foundation, and the annual New York Cat Film Festival, sponsored by Dr. Elsie's Precious Cat. Both festivals will be traveling the country in 2018 celebrating the human-animal bond while benefiting a local animal welfare group. Learn more at dogfilmfestival.com and catfilmfestival.com. This show is brought to you with the generous support of Waruva, a family-owned pet food company whose owners want to feed their own pets and yours with ingredients that are good enough for people to eat. All the Waruva canned and pouch foods for cats and dogs come in endless varieties to satisfy even the fussiest pets and use the same care and quality ingredients as food for people. The company name exemplifies the Foreman family's embrace of rescuing animals, naming the company after their rescued kitties. W.E. for Webster, R.U. for Rudy, and V.A. for Vanessa. And they are passionate about good nutrition. Their caloric harmony dry food for dogs is formulated on the principle of how the body actually utilizes food and the quality of the protein. You'll find Waruba wherever fine natural pet foods are sold. My guests today are Lisa Senefe from Bentley's Pet Stuff in Illinois, 84 stores in 10 states, all run by one woman. Then Kyla Sternlieb will be here with her amazing product, Under the Weather, for animals not feeling so well. And Jeremy Cohen of Boston Dog Lawyers will be here to talk about how the law can work for and against our pets. Lisa, welcome to the show. Thank you, Tracy. Thank you for having me. It's my pleasure. I, You know, I, I'm always intrigued by stories of women who just sort of have the moxie and the kind of blind faith that if they have a good idea, something good will come from it. And and I, I love the idea that you started with a small idea and then blew it up to a, a much bigger size, still retaining the, the kind of the heart and soul that was behind it. So tell the story of how you decided to open an organic pet store in Arlington Heights, Illinois. Why and how and, and what happened next? Sure. Um, you know, growing up, I've always had a love for animals. Um, it's been one of my things. I wanted to be a vet at one point. I would bring home every animal under the sun, um, you know, as far as like dogs, cats, any kind of stray, even frogs and tadpoles and snakes. And we had a, a crow growing up that um, had a broken wing. We brought him home and tried to, you know, save him. His name was Charlie. So, you know, we always had a love for animals and it was a passion of mine from day one. When I had an opportunity um, to open up a, a pet food store, um, it was really fueled by um, having fostered some some pets myself and adopting my first cat when I was 18. Um, and then I had the mother and daughter, and they, they passed away from cancer. And they passed away um, within a year of each other. And so I started to dive into nutrition a lot more and looking at, you know, what the ingredients were. And, and I was guilty of, hey, if it was expensive, it must be good, um, and didn't look at the back of the bag. And so that was a wake-up call for me. And that's what fueled me when we adopted our dog, Bentley, to really dive into nutrition even more with him and get him off on the right foot um, and feed him uh, a more natural diet. Um, so when we opened up the store, you know, I was in the financial world before I was in uh, mortgages. And, you know, that whole industry kind of went away to a certain oh, extent. Oh, right. So, you mean when there, when there was yeah. the big real estate crash? <clears throat> yes. So I'm grateful for the knowledge of the financial background that it gave me. Yes. And I think it gave me some courage to do this on my own. But, you know, uh, you know, I was unemployed, and I kind of looked at my husband, and I was like, hey, I think I'm going to open up this pet food store. <laughs> I don't know where it's, it's going to go. 
<laughs> I'm sorry to laugh. But, you know, all of America gets blown up. People lose their houses. The mortgage mess, the whole craziness, and you're like, I think like a high-end organic pet foods is what people really need right now. <laughs> you know, it's divine that that even in the worst of times, people really yeah. are so passionate about their pets. They're like, yeah, the family's going to be eating ramen noodles, but you, my friend, are going to have organic, humanely raised chicken. And it, it's totally true. I was literally on unemployment buying my dog raw food. And eating ramen noodles for myself. Like, that is <laughs> I didn't know story. that, but so, I believe it. It's, it's totally true. So, you know, Bentley ate better than us. And, um, you know, at the time I was like, you know, I don't know where it's going to go. So you need to make sure you have a real job and get insurance because I have no idea where this is going to go. And so, you know, you know, we opened up the first store in Arlington Heights, downtown Arlington Heights. And I will say it's a big town with a small town mentality. It's a very word-of-mouth town. They're very family-oriented. It was just a perfect fit for us. I did not know that going in, and I really went in pretty blind. I, you know, I worked some retail when I was 16, and, you know, nothing uh, that gave me any insight or, you know, secrets to the retail world. Um, so it was really trial and error, and um, I just, my passion, and, you know, I set this food premise, and we still use it uh, today in our stores, but, you know, my goal was to create an environment that everybody could feel confident going in and shopping for their pet. Because when I was looking for food to feed, um, you know, Bentley, I noticed that some stores, you know, had a mix. They might have some great quality food and not so great, or some treats that were USA-made or some treats that were made in China. And with all the recalls, you know, I just wanted to create an environment that somebody could go in with confidence and mix it up and try new things and be, you know, they didn't have to turn over every single bag that they walked into and make sure it was safe for their pet. That's a really good point because it is daunting. It's hard enough to get to the pet food store, even to the, our own food store. And then you get there right. and it's like, where's the poison and where's the, you know, where, where's the plus side? So, so you, you did this on a whim with no financial, uh, you, you weren't what we'd call a trust fund baby. You didn't have some fabulous <laughs> pile of dough and you built it on that. You just had an no. instinct and had that kind of courage. Did your husband still, was he still employed at the time? Yeah, um, you know, he was doing uh, some some mortgage and stuff beef, uh, on the side, too, uh, during this time. And, um, you know, it was when we, you know, got to maybe <clears throat> year two, I believe, um, two and a half. Then, um, you know, we had the idea to expand. The, the person next to us left, and so it opened up. 700 more square feet to our original location, so we cut out the wall and expanded that location. And it really took off from there because it kind of solidified for us in the neighborhood, too, like, okay, they're expanding within their own store. You know, maybe they're legit now. So our, our um, trust within the community grew, and, um, you know, our sales grew. And then, you know, once we got to store number two, then I had the idea for a second location, that's when um, I started to, you know, my husband always would help with budget and, and, and that kind of stuff as well on side when he could. But then I kind of was like, you know what, this is going to be full time for both of us now. So, you know, then he got pulled in around store number two. <laughs> so you have two crazy people that just believe that what they have is going to either stay as good or get better. And it does yes. seem that we're, we're I think, pet products, pet retailers, pet um, concepts, companies that really come from the heart like that, there really does seem to be something that generates across the sales counter to people who come in and know that the person there really cares and is passionate and has an opinion. Sometimes just being passionate and having an opinion it doesn't even have to be the right opinion. It just oh, yeah. has to be caring enough, right? And and we all and, have and to be open to learning new things. Well, and it's, you know, it, it's pretty simple. There's no, I mean, we're selling dog food. I don't want to say that we have this magic solution that is working perfectly all the time, but really it's being nice customer, listening to their needs and selling them what's right for their pet. And that's like our three key things when we train our employees. Like we, we educate them far and beyond others, you know, so if you're going into a big box or if you're going to, um, you know, mass market type grocery store that happens to yep. sell dog, for, dog food or cat food, you're not going to get that one-on-one -on -one customer service. If you have an issue with your pet, you're not going to have a conversation with that sales associate. They're, they're, have, they're going to be like, here's the aisle of dog food, good luck. So you right. know, our goal right. is to have to get to know them. And I'll be honest, 
we know your dog's name before your name. So, you know, that's our, that's our goal is like, you know, we'll say hi to your dog before we say hi to you. But, right. you know, it's, yeah. it's truly that passion. And, you know, we're very fortunate with the team members that we have that they follow that same suit and, and are in that same line and, and believe in that the same way. So, you know, our goal is so we want our customers to trust us. Are we going to have the right answer every time? No, but our goal is to work with them and make sure we try everything we can to, you know, um, help whatever issue or concern or dietary need is going on for their dog or cat. So it feels like, although now TED Talks are some ubiquitous thing that everybody's going ho-hum and, and bored by and there's 10 bazillion of them, it seems like if you think in terms of a TED Talk as a kind of just a, a catchphrase, that what you did as first-time business owners would really apply to any business. It's really the simplest, simplest thing, and no. you don't need to get an MBA from Harvard or go to executive management, Harvard Business School, special $10,000 come for eight days, and we're going to tell you the secret to success. It's, it's really to simple people-to-people I mean, people people stuff, right? You know, retail, I think our biggest thing, and in in, um, not only just having the open communication with your customers, but we also do tons of events at our stores. So we make it fun for you to bring your dog in. You know, we make it a social event too. So people are, people love to talk about yes. what themselves, their dogs or kids, right? So it's like, you know, you create an environment that's a perfect mixture yes. of that. You know, people <laughs> come in with their kids, their dogs, you know, everybody is just chatting it up. And it's great to see because, you know, my husband left when the first year I said, you know, I'm going to do a Halloween costume contest party. And he's like, who's going to bring their dog dressed up? I'm like, I don't know, but let's just throw it out there. We had 60 dogs show up in costume the first year. I was shocked. And, you know, it's just wow. people wanted an wow. outing with their pet, and they love their pet. It is truly a family member. And yes. whether it's dog or cat, they it is an extension of their family, and they are looking at them very differently than they did years ago, and especially their diets. I mean, we see on the news, right, like eat an egg, don't eat the egg, don't eat the yolk, eat the white. You know, it changes all the time. So we try to be that extension for your pet. You know, we try to be, you know, how doctors will have a dietitian or nutritionist. We try to be that for the vet too. We, we try to, you know, give the insight for the nutrition piece for their pet um, diet. And I, I guess the other thing, when you talk about it being a community and people coming in, I think pets have become a bridge for people to to be in touch with other people, whether it's walking on a sidewalk or being at a dog park or being at a beach or, you know, in a field or the woods, depending on where people live geographically. Oh, yeah. It allows, it's a connective tissue for people because we're all so disconnected and even if maybe a little about, bit like, cautious about oh, other yeah. people. If you think about so if there's a gathering person, place. How awkward is that sometimes, right? If you walk into a dog park, people are talking like left and right. Because they're talking about their dog. They're laughing about stories. Like it just opens the doors to conversations that probably would never happen if they didn't have a dog in front of them. You know, like it's truly that kind of environment. And that's, you know, I have customers that walk in our store now and that have been loyal customers for so long and they've had such success because maybe they've gone through digestive issues or joint issues or something with their dog, and they're overhearing another conversation. They're cutting me off telling them what to do right. now. You know, it's great. <laughs> That's funny. That's so funny. When I, when I used to have cat chat on Sirius, and I would just say to every cat owner in America, because I could talk to a lot of them through the, the magic of live radio, uh, I would say just – Really make it really yes. simple. Any Thank wet food you. is better than any dry food yes. for any cat. Yep. I'm just going to make this like really dumb this down, right? Obligate carnivores. If you can only afford or have the time to go to the supermarket shelf, so be it. But if you can go to like a Bentley's organic or, or other yeah. small private independent pet store, then mostly the things you'll see on the yep. shelf will be Waruva yep. or they'll be Halo or they'll be something really quality. And it was very funny when people would call in and go, you know, I saw this other person in the pet food aisle and I told her, don't be buying that X brand of dry food for your cat. And they, they just thought I was crazy. I said, don't take this on yourself. Let me be the heavy lifter. You know, you're going to start fisticuffs oh, yeah. and don't try it in your family because family right. members are the last ones who want yep. to listen. They're just going to be up in your face. I, you know, there were, there were couples that were arguing about it, but again, with that passionate thing, 
I, I just think it's really interesting that you did something for the right reason with no way of knowing if it'd be any kind of a success or if you'd, you know, fall on your butt and have grown it organically because, yeah, certainly dogs and cats are family members and, and that becomes kind of a, a tired idea because anyone listening to the show mm -hmm. already's like, yeah, tell me something I don't mm -hmm. know. But I do think that, that right. we aren't best friends with other humans anymore. We're so disconnected and having a place the way you describe your store becomes like a town meeting hall. It becomes a place. Yeah. I think it's mm -hmm. why a lot of people go to yoga. Okay. Maybe they like yoga. They really just want to go to a place where other people that they recognize and go, hi, yep. how are you? And that's a nice new mat. You know, it's really just uh, people are so desperate to connect with each other and where and how can you do that? And having pets, particularly dogs, because you're out in public with them really makes it possible. But then where do you go? So I think it's brilliant that, your stores really, have become a are. gathering place, you know, like like the the, the piazza yeah, in a little to, Italian you know, town. We, we're in other states, but honestly, wherever whatever community we're in, we dive into, and you know that's the biggest thing I talk to our you know uh, team leads about is you know you have to be embedded in that community. I attended so many events and enjoyed it, and learning about the community and, and inviting them in, and you know I just want every location to be the community pet food store. I want them to think of us as that's the place you go to buy your pet food because you're going to get the respect of your pet um, and the respect of the knowledge that we can offer um, and, and the events that we that we offer up. So we try to make it a very fun environment, you know, always handing out samples because we're big believers in mixing up and rotating pet food and pet treats and supplements. Um, so that's a big thing for us, too, is we practice yes. mixology, which is actually, um, you know, just rotating through foods and treats because, like, we don't eat everything the same every day. Nutritionally, you know, we we want that same thing for our cats and dogs. You know, they should be rotating in the wild. They're not, you know, catching the same type of whatever to eat it. They're catching whatever they can to survive. Yeah, right. whatever's whatever right. that fell out of a tree or came up out of a hole. The other thing is, I think that for us, in terms of being pet parents, a phrase I rarely use because it kind of gives me the heebie-jeebies. But I think the part of us that wants to make a nice meal and see a smile on their face, and if the more finicky yeah. the dog or cat, the more you want oh, that. Yeah. And there's real pleasure for us in choosing a different a different array of things for the palate. Okay, so you start in Arlington Heights. And then you find another location not too very far away. At what point do you lose your minds and think, <laughs> we can take on the world? <laughs> you know, we, we are. <laughs> well done. That's what I want people to hear. The sky's the limit. It doesn't matter what your resources. It's all about it's passion like, and, I mean, and uh, belief. I'll be honest, even before being in the mortgage business and being in other jobs before, I never had a guaranteed paycheck. So I think the drive of just wanting to do more is just in me. So, you know, like right. there's never a guarantee, right? So, I, you know, you don't think yes. about what, so the thing about like all the, the worst case scenarios, I'm just thinking like, what can I do to make today better? So what can I do to, you know, change somebody's pet's life today? Yes. Um, and literally did it one by one. And our biggest thing is, you know, like I said, handing out those samples and getting customers one, when we opened, people didn't know 90% of the food we sold is not popular. It's way popular today, more popular and more awareness. That's oh right. My gosh, if you would have heard customers yes. walking in, they're like, what is this? You know, you would have thought it was like, if you opened up Whole Foods, you know, 50 years ago, people would be like, what are you talking about organic? Um, so, you know, I think we then... Right. Yeah. And why would I eat that Very stuff green. called kale? <laughs> why would I possibly? And now, of course... It's, it's, yeah, and green and bitter and, and like, you know, like not very friendly and, and yeah, and, and now it's, of course, in everything. That's, that's always the, the nutritional really thing seems to be the beginning of a learning curve. So how many stores do you have and we in have how many states are you? And we're point? in 10 states. Um, and we are, I know. Whoa. <laughs> so we're expanding more. But, you know, our goal is wow simple and it's just to drive that awareness and, you know, we have a smaller footprint on purpose. We're not the big box pet food stores on purpose because, yeah, I could fill it with everything that everybody wants to buy or can buy nationally and, you know, every, that's everywhere. But our goal is to get more, drive more awareness to what the health healthy options are. 
And, you know, yes, do we have very expensive food? Yeah, but we also have very affordable food, too. So we full, we try to place over that full spectrum um, because my goal is to get as many people on healthier uh, dog and cat food and drive awareness to the other food options. Some people don't even know what dehydrated is or freeze-dried food or raw food. So even just adding 15% of that into Correct. the diet can do a yes. whole difference to them. So, you know, our, our thought processes behind it is let's just talk about it as a topper or incorporating it as one or two meals a week to just get some freshness into their diet as well. So, yeah, we, we, we expanded um, two nice. years ago. We had seven locations. So today now we're at 84. So we had a very big growth spurt. In two years, yeah. In two years? In two stores, years? And we opened up new doors as well. So we do Whoa. it for both acquisitions. So, you know, we're very fortunate and we're very grateful for the acquisitions because these are people that have been in the business a long time too, but either they are, you know, don't want to renew the lease or they've done, you know, they don't want to reinvent the wheel. And you have to constantly be ready to see what's out there and do news and try new things. And I get it, you know. Yes. If, if, if that's not your thing and you don't want to reinvent the wheel, then, you know, so we're grateful for the opportunity to take over their stores and to keep that store in the community as well. Mm-hmm. And, and just yeah, rebrand it and right. change so up maybe the inside or, or what's on the shelves or add to what's on the shelves. Great nice. products that we know do well in a lot of our stores. Sometimes we help, you know, bulk up the inventory a little bit. But for the most part, we align ourselves when we do these types of acquisitions with like-minded people you know it's, we've turned down very, a lot and it's mostly due to the footprint and the stuff they have in the store like maybe they're selling stuff that we wouldn't and the the, the scale is too far off for us to make up for it that quick right so yeah well clearly you've been you've been you've been very true to your to your mission we've run out of time but I just have to say I really admire anybody with a a, a vision and a dream that just lets it get as big as it can possibly get and Thank still you. retain the core heart of yeah, what it you is too. so I'm I'm very pleased to meet you I hope that anyone that can drives by or or learns of a Bentley's organic um pet store somewhere in their neighborhood Bentley's pet stuff go and check it out and know that that Lisa's heart and soul is behind it somewhere. Lisa, thanks for, yeah, thank for all you. you've created you and so for much. inspiring, I think, others to do the same. Thank you. It's a pleasure. This show is brought to you by Halo, holistic and humane natural dog and cat foods, which are made with only whole meats, never with rendered chicken meal or byproduct meal. There are new formulations at Halo which reflect whole, holistic, and humane practices. Halo says no to factory farming, no to growth hormones, no to antibiotics, artificial flavors, coloring, or preservatives in their food, and sources cage-free poultry, pasture-raised beef, and wild-caught fish. The new Halo has no GMO vegetables. All fruits and vegetables are sourced from farmland that prohibits the use of genetically modified seeds. What's new about Halo will matter to you, farm animals, and the planet. This show is also brought to you with the support of NatureVet, a family-owned, California-based company that has manufactured natural pet supplements for over 25 years. NatureVet has a wide range of veterinarian-formulated supplements that address the full spectrum of pet health. Arthrosu's Gold Joint Supplement is clinically tested to increase mobility. Quiet Moments Calming Aid with Melatonin can reduce your pet stress during thunderstorms, fireworks, traveling, and separation anxiety. NatureVet's Grass Saver prevents yellow spots on your lawn caused by dog urine, and other innovative supplements include the ones nobody wants to talk about. A supplement to stop your pup from eating poop or out of my box if your dog has a taste for what's in the cat's litter box. NatureVet takes your pet's health seriously. They are registered and audited by the FDA and are also a member of the National Animal Supplement Council, whose NASC seal on all their labels is a symbol of quality and reliability. The NatureVet family is so sure that natural supplements can enhance your pet's health that they give a 100% money-back guarantee on any product. I am back with Kyla Sternlieb, who created Under the Weather, a company that I was around for the birth of and has turned into this monstrous success. So I am very excited, Kyla, to catch up with you and find out what you have done with the germ of an idea that I always thought was brilliant, and you've taken it to incredible heights. Congratulations. Thank you. 
Nice to be uh, nice to be on the radio with you. Well, it's nice to to uh, you know uh, those of you listening know that I always want to support female entrepreneurs. It's just a kind of like a women power thing. So when women have a, a, the dream of an idea and they make it a reality and then they build it into a reality bigger than even they themselves might have imagined, it's just I think inspirational to other people and instructional about what we can do, any of us, male or female. If we have an idea and we don't listen to all the people who poo-poo us, because you had, I mean, you can tell the origin of the idea when I heard it, because you sat next to somebody at a dinner party. It was one of those (laughs) rare ideas in the pet world. People always are telling me things. I'm like, yeah, good luck with that. Nah, probably not. (laughs) And I heard this one. I'm like, wait a minute. Your dog is throwing up or has diarrhea, and the vet says to do chicken and rice, and this is going to be ready for you to do, to give them? I said, that is brilliant. It's like a post-it note. Why didn't somebody think of this before, you know? So, so, so really that is the genesis of it, right? You just had one of those light bulb moments. Yes. It was actually the summer of 2012 when I first had the idea and I had a Wheaton Terrier named Ruffian who was, you know, my love of my life dog, one of those dogs. And she was sick that day, and it was a hot summer day, and I was working full-time, and I had to take her to the vet, um, obviously. And so when I got to the vet, they said, you know, no problem. You just have to give her this antibiotic, but you can't have it on an empty stomach. You have to cook her chicken and rice before she gets this pill. And so literally, as I was lifting her into the car, I was thinking to myself, I don't have chicken and rice at home. And I can't go to the grocery store because it's too hot to leave her in the car. I have to drive all the way home, drop her off, drive all the way to the grocery store and buy the ingredients, drive all the way home. And I just, the whole way home, I'm thinking to myself, every time I go to the vet, because I go to the vet a lot because my husband and I do a lot of rescue and fostering. Right, which uh, is another part of the story. Yeah, it's another part. They're telling me chicken and rice. I'm like, this is insane. They should be selling this. So I came up with that idea at that moment, and I started researching it. I started falling in love with the idea just just because I needed the product so badly. And the more I looked into it, the more I thought to myself, this this will be a home run. And I, I kept calling it Ruffy Rice because my girl was Ruffy and I, her name was Ruffy. And I, I couldn't trademark Ruffy because of the, the, the word rough. And I just started looking into other names. And lo and behold, Under the Weather had never been trademarked before for an animal company. So I grabbed that. And it was the perfect name for the product because this is for when they have any kind of stress or digestion issues or after a surgery or, uh, yeah, so for any any old reason, if your dog just needs a home-cooked meal, it's... And bland. I mean, that was the trick. And and when I was first introduced to you, you were almost about to push the button with some fancy French chef down in Florida who'd assured you that he could make this for you in freezer packs. And right. I, right. I mean, and it was so much fun doing this with you in the beginning because we were both on like a learning curve. It was sort of like, you know, oh, like the God. Girl Scouts go to the factory kind of thing. How do you do dehydrated rice? And I said, well, that won't be any good because how do they ship it? All these companies that have frozen products, many of them now have frozen meals, like full-time meals. Right. They get delivered, and what if they defrost on the doorstep? And anyway, you have to defrost it, and that's not always easy. If you're traveling, you don't have a microwave. So that's when the idea of chicken and rice all dehydrated and then put them together in a tasty kind of broth or something. But then you made it into a really serious full-time business, and I fell by the wayside having other businesses of my own. And you've gone full bore ahead with dealing with the realities of building a new product, which if anyone out there has done this, it's to me always a surprise. So you have this great idea, chicken and rice, dehydrated, boiling water, put it together, you know, whether it's a pouch or however. But then the stores want you to have multiple SKUs, stocking right. something. Exactly. I forget what it stands for. So you're like, but wait, I only want to make this one thing. And they're like, no way, you have to have at least six. So I don't know if that's right. how you expanded as brilliantly as you have, but you've gone way above and beyond six different protein oh. ingredients. You, you've gone so we far. Really, uh, we really listened to the client. We listened to the people. We listened to the vets. And yes. a lot of dogs can't do chicken, so we did a right. bison and oatmeal. Uh, a lot of people do a fish base, so we did a fish product. And we have the turkey and the sweet potato and the hamburger. And so we really just listened to what the people were telling us that they cook for their dog when their dogs are under the weather. And we came up with these six flavors for the bland diets. And while we were at it, we said, listen, we need to, we need to have some supplements as well. 
So we added a whole line of supplements um, for, for, for dogs, like calming chews that uh, are probably the best on the market, a, a daily probiotic to support digestive health. We've got a, a high ca- a calorie paste if they're not eating, loaded with vitamins, so you can give them a boost of calories and vitamins called uh, ReadyCal. Um, so we really we have a whole line of cat products out now, and we've just developed our vet-only formula. So under the weather vet formulas will be exclusively sold through the vet channels. I, I so mean, I, I, I saw that, Kyla, and I was really impressed because when you and I were, were noodling these ideas around, you were saying the vets have to sell it. And I said, dude, the vets aren't going to sell it. Vets are not salespeople. You were right. They're not, well, <laughs> yes right. and no. But you got, but yeah. you did the end run around it. I saw this in the, in a, you won some big pet industry award. And then this, the whole vet line came out. I'm like, you go, girl. You, you listen to me. Yeah, they're not going to recommend buying something that's on a supermarket shelf. They might not even put it on their own shelf. Oh, but if it's made just for them and sold through exactly. veterinary distribution channels as a medicinal bland diet, I mean, it was just genius because really and truly, you're right. Oh, those of us with delicate stomach dogs or you doing all the foster and rescue, which we have the same time to, to talk about, any dog that's in transition from one life to another is going to have the whoopsies. And right. so the blandest diet is the thing that's going to kind of hold them together, plus the idea of these other probiotics to further soothe, to further support the digestive system, which seems to be an Achilles heel in a lot of dogs. It's really amazing right. because you, this was not your business. You, weren't, you, weren't, you, were a, you were in the business of fundraising for philanthropic you know, for institutions, you just got this idea by the horns and said, I'm going to wrestle it to the ground. I know I'm on to something. And it's really impressive that you have not just stayed the course but raised the bar for yourself. Okay, I did that. Now I'm going to do even more. And all of it is integrated with this idea that really is a problem that needed solving and you had the solution. And now you're ad- addressing it from various directions. Nice that you did the kitty cats because they really yes. are always ignored. I try not to ignore them on the show. <laughs> Dog talking kitties too. But talk a little bit about how you formulated or how the how you got a vet to formulate something for a kitty who needs nutrition and, and has a bad stomach. Sure. But again, we were listening to the store owners. We were listening to our clients. And we were getting a lot of calls for some people saying, you know, my, my cat's sick. Can, can we feed him the bland right. diet? Well, of course right. we feed him the bland diet. But we want, you know, do you have any, any cat products? And so we, we got together and talked about it, and we came up with um, six different products for cats, uh, supplements uh, like urinary tract support, a, a calming chew, hairball uh, support, a daily probiotic, and lysine for cats. And we came up with the best formulas on the market, and we are just unveiling those at a trade show coming up in March called Global. And the one so that I'll see have, you at, I'm sure. Yes, yes. I'll have, come by and see all this in the flesh. But you know, it's interesting because you've been you're, you're Vermont based as I am, which is how we got to meet each other, um, mm-hmm. because we were in this strange, long, narrow, underpopulated state has more cows than people and more trees than cars. But here you are building quite an extraordinary business and and keeping a lot of the business within the state because I'm pretty sure that you're formulating or having formulated these various supplements through one of the really very highly regarded Vermont-based companies, right? Isn't that the gentleman that you brought in to work with you? That's his background. Correct. Yes. Um, The former CEO of Food Science, which is a Vermont-based company, I, I met with him. I had this idea, and I, and I met. I told him about it, and he has a manufacturing, obviously, background because food science. And he started a company called Green Mountain Animal, and so we are partners on both Under the Weather and Green Mountain Animal, which is a contract manufacturing plant in South Burlington. So we manufacture everything right here in, in Vermont. That's a and really big our, deal, Kyla. You know, people can say, well, we're based in America, but, you know, it's far, far away in Nebraska or something. I mean, you're right on yeah. in home territory in a state that, right. that has a history of making things like maple syrup and, as it turns out, has quite a few supplement companies that are based here, very all-American, and helping the local economy, which is just another really nice part of it. It just makes it more organic and homespun. Right. And you know, to talk about the rescue for a minute, you know, the whole reason I'm doing this is because I just love dogs. And I understand that when someone has a sick dog, 
it, it, it's not that easy to cook for them. Sometimes the dog's sick at 3 in the morning, and you just need to give them breakfast, and, and you don't have anything to give them except their normal food, which you know you can't. You need to yes. have a bland diet. So besides that, so besides just making dogs feel better and making a convenient solution for people, it's rescue dogs that is really my passion. And I've been involved with rescuing dogs pretty much my whole life. And I, so we started because of Ruffy, back to Ruffy, it's always about Ruffy. Uh, we started the Ruffy Rescue Fund. And with that fund, we have saved over 600 dogs. We pulled dogs from down south. We have partners in Vermont, like the Chittenden County Humane right, Society right. and All Breed Rescue. So we pull dogs from high-kill shelters down south that have no chance. We quarantine them twice. We vaccinate them. We spay and neuter them. We transport them to Vermont, and we find them all loving homes. And everybody goes home with a pouch of under the weather. <laughs> and now we're starting a spay and neuter campaign through All wow. Breed Rescue. We're going to spay and neuter 150 dogs for them uh, this year. Um, so that's where the proceeds are going, and we are absolutely beyond happy with seeing the before and after pictures of these dogs because, you know, we don't just pull the pup. We don't pull the ones that are easily adopted. You know what I mean? We, I do. We really try to, to focus on the ones that are need some help, and uh, that's that's honestly why I'm doing this, and I just can't tell you how fulfilling it is to have an idea and to go through this learning process. I can't tell you every day. I mean, it's not easy a brand and in, in dealing with you know, you're up against like Purina and, and yes, big companies who yes. I mean I I'm 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 not kind of alone in this little niche, you know, and it's it's exciting and, and people need it. And they I got these vets calling me up and they're like it's the only thing these dogs will eat. You know, they need it. Um the people love it. The dogs love it, and I just can't well. Tell I mean, you how I, I love I love that about you that you were just you know one woman with an idea and uh and and pu- pushing your sleeves up. I really admired it. I loved it. And you're not alone in Vermont because now I'm here and now I've seen what you're doing with it. <laughs> I'm going to put all the wind underneath your sails that I can because what you've done is unique. No one else has done it, and. I know from the beginning when we spent a few months together how very much work goes into figuring it out and then fighting the system and then learning how it, oh, how yeah. you get products onto shelves in stores and distributors. It's, 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 it's daunting. It's totally daunting. daunting. And I will say yeah. that I knew both from the person who who introduced us but also from you talking to me that your work in rescue had way preceded this i i hate to say this in a rude way about other people but it's like oh yes i really love rescue and i give a little portion of this to rescue cuz it's so important you were doing it anyway you were doing the rescue yes. with your own sweat and tears and you and your husband were financing it and doing it quietly and doing one dog at a time and it's it, you yeah. loved it. I mean, it really it really mattered to you. One of the one of my friends' dogs who came, went from Chittenden County Shelter down to Southampton Animal Shelter that that was the official shelter of of this radio show. I, that was just a weird coincidence that I had somehow physically personally transported this yapping dog that never shut up <laughs> all the way from yep. Northern Vermont to to the east end of Long Island. You'd been doing that for years and continue to do it. And it's yes, the, the sort of yes. the belief one dog at a time kind of thing. And how cool yes. that you got to be a really successful businesswoman. I understand you're really successful and probably every day you wake up and think, oh, God, I hope the, the ceiling doesn't crash down on me because with all the success comes the pressure to maintain it. And it's not like you have a whole staff or a whole office building full of people. It's kind of you and your partner. And I think it's really impressive. I think anyone who's ever tried to, you know, put something on Etsy and sell it has some tiny idea of how difficult <laughs> commerce is. It's really complicated. And then there's the website and then there's social media and all these other pieces that are essential to modern business. Oh, yeah. And really don't have mm-hmm. anything on some level to do with having on a shelf in a store or at a vet's office and somebody knows what it is and can reach for it. I mean, one of the things that you and I used to say about it was that everybody needs to have a six-pack of under-the-weather on the shelf in their house because just as you can't go to the supermarket at 3 a.m., neither can you go to the store or even to Amazon and buy it at 3 a.m. You need it because when your dog is going to vomit or have diarrhea or your kitty stops eating, it doesn't give you any warning. It's just there it is, you right. know. I mean, right. Wanda's been eating some chipmunks, and they don't agree with her. They do not agree with her. So uh, it would be great <laughs> to have the under-the-weather there to kind of smooth things out and – and you were going to go on QVC. Did that ever happen? 
It did. It went on QVC. They, they just put it on again the other night. Oh, my that God. That was amazing. What an oh experience. Oh, my God. I, you know, when you, I had written to you when I heard you were going on, I said, I can't believe it. This is like the cherry on the Sunday for everyone. You said, well, I don't know when it's going to happen. And, and that's another horror story. I mean, a good one. But they make you make like 10,000 units of the thing they've agreed to put you on. And if they don't all sell, you own them. They don't pay you for them. No. So, I mean, I, did I, it go I, well? Luckily, I, did, I didn't have that problem. It Great. Was, everything at QVC, was, was, they're wonderful people, fun to work with. Oh, they with. are. They're delightful. Oh, God. Yeah, so that, I mean, I, it's just wonderful. And, like, now I'm getting calls from people. Like, just, just, I'm getting calls every day from stores or veterinary clinics saying, we have to bring in your products because wow. our clients are asking for it. Wow. And that, that is just. It just makes my day. And there are little towns in, all over the country that I, I, I have no idea how they heard about it, but probably QVC. Probably QVC. QVC just, permeates yeah. everything. I used to go down there when my godmother, Joan Rivers, was on, and she sold all of her stuff out in a minute, and she was the only one that didn't have that deal. If they didn't sell it, they owned it. They QVC, but they never had that problem either. <laughs> it's an amazing way to reach into the hearts and minds of all of America, and getting on yeah. there is as competitive as – I don't know, winning the snowboard championship at the Winter Olympics. I mean, every product oh, in the world could, wants to be on QVC. I could do a whole interview about that. That was amazing. I, but, you know, that, that Pet Industry Recognition Award, that came out of the blue. I get an email saying, congratulations, you're the, you're the winner of the two, 2017 Innovation you know, Fox <laughs> Award for this magazine. It floored me. Like, I, I couldn't believe it. It's I mean, so I cool. Because I, I'm my own best like customer. I need this stuff all the time with our crazy dogs. Right, right. And like I knew I knew it was like but I, it was so amazing to have them recognize it like that and that was huge too for us. Well and, and you and it was well deserved and I guess the point is there was there isn't very much glamour in your end of it. You've just got your head down, you're in the salt mine, you're digging away and you look up and you go Oh, my God, people have learned about me. Oh, my goodness, I won an award. Okay, back to work. Because you don't really have a chance to bask in the glory. It's not like you get to go out, you know, for a fancy three-course meal with sauce. You're in Vermont, first of all. There aren't any such restaurants, mostly. But you're working all the time. And I think it's really, it's it's a great lesson to, to young women and women of any age anywhere that an idea, you can bring it to reality, to fruition with just grit. I, we're, we've run out of time, but I would actually love to have you come back and just describe the entire sure. QVC um, <laughs> journey because it, none of us really know what goes on behind the scenes. I mean, I've been there a couple of times. You go with a, a star. It's not the same as being a real person. We all saw that movie Joy, right? Jennifer Lawrence and her mop. So it would be mm -hmm. great to have you tell us what it was really like. It's been wonderful talking to you. Very, very Thank happy you so for much. you and proud of you and thrilled to have been some small part of the beginning of Under you the Water, which has really turned into something quite extraordinary. Thank you so much. I'll be right back Thank with my next Chris. guest after this quick word. This show is made possible in part by Precious Cat Litter, owned by Dr. Elsie, who has his own cats-only clinic in Colorado. He has devoted his life to inventing innovative litters for the health of all members of the family. Now he's created healthy, dry, and canned food for kitties called Clean Protein, inspired by the protein levels found in a cat's natural prey. 90% of the protein in clean protein kibble and cans is animal-based, not the plant-based ingredients in most dry cat food like grains, potato, vegetables, and fruits, which can actually increase your cat's hunger. The high biological value proteins in clean protein result in your cat's appetite being satisfied longer without compromising her health. If you want to feed dry food to your cat, even as part of her diet, make the healthier choice. The proof is in the protein. I am back with Jeremy Cohen of Boston Dog Lawyers to talk about what is a dog lawyer? Who needs one? Why do they need one? Do you have to only live in Boston to to get Jeremy's services? Hey, Jeremy, welcome to the show. Hi, Tracy. Thank you. Great to be back. It's a pleasure to have you back. It seems that there are an ever-increasing number of situations in which canines are front and center in a legal way. And probably you need a, a kind of perspective, which is yours, which is canine-centric, about how the law can, can I guess, assist and help both those who are victims or, or victimized, uh, or the victimizers, I guess you could say, with dogs. I mean, what are the kinds of situations that people call you up and say, help? Well, the common theme I'm seeing uh, in, in calls I receive is this. People are being bullied 
by either a neighbor, animal control officer, environmental police, or, or local governments to relinquish their dog. Oh. And that's, that, that hits me the wrong way. I don't like bullies, never have, and that's why I've been able to combine that passion of combating bullies with dogs to, uh, to, to create this firm. So some ins- instances, uh, we have a client right now, her dog is Milo, and Milo is an emotional support animal. Okay. And wherever you are in this country, if you have a need for an emotional support animal, and it's documented by a licensed physician who, who you go to, um, provided that you give all the right paperwork to your landlord or to a condo association, you're entitled to have that dog with you. You need to demonstrate that you, you, you have a mental disability, which is still called under the Federal Fair Housing Act, okay. and, and also that uh, you, you have a, a need that your doctor prescribes you an emotional support animal. Typically, it's a dog. In Massachusetts, it can even be a, a miniature horse. Every state is different. Wow. And in that this animal helps you with a major life function, helps you either eat, sleep, work, concentrate, uh, all, all the things that get us through the day as human beings. And we have a case here where my client has supplied this information to the condo association where she lives, and they have repeatedly harassed her and denied her the right to have an emotional support animal. When you want to have one, you're asking that because of your disability, they make a modification to their pet policy. If they have a pet policy that says you can't have one, you're asking them to make a reasonable accommodation to that policy because an emotional support animal is not a pet. So if they charge you an application fee for this or a pet pet excuse me pet fee for this, uh, those are that's illegal under, as you're protected uh, with your constitutional rights. So I'm finding that uh, these landlords and boards they're only learning about this law when they break it, and uh, they seem to be breaking it quite often around the country. All right, well, that is very well articulated and passionately spoken. I would take the other position just to be the so-called devil's advocate, which is that there are many people, some of them I know personally, who flaunt the law. They don't even care about the law. They don't have a mental disability. They just want their dog. They want their dog with them because they want their dog with them. And they can buy these jackets online. They can practically buy the paperwork online. As you said very specifically, it has to be a doctor who is treating the human. But there are doctors who will see, uh, unscrupulous doctors for sure, who will see or not even personally see or meet the human and fill out that documentation for them saying, oh, yeah, I prescribed this animal for you because you're unwell, and they get a fee for that. So is it possible that these housing situations, that they're suspicious and cynical, which I, I don't know what the numbers are, but I know that. There are there are all sorts of uh, backlashes. Delta Airlines now wants companion animals, supposedly emotional support animals, to have some sort of training, which I've been on flights with dogs that aren't even pets. They're just random animals that have no manners at all, and they're certainly not providing any service that's in any way visible to the person. Do you think that those people like your client – who are the real deal, who absolutely need it, or a veteran with serious PTSD, how do, how do we weed out the bad actors so that the people who are genuine can get the protection of the law and of the animal? Sure. So on a very small uh, basis, I do that by only taking cases where I've reached out to the doctor, I've confirmed right. the need, and, and that I'm satisfied. But certainly plenty of people try to come to me when they just want to be able to keep their dog. And I, mean, I can see through that, but I can see how, a, how these uh, housing authorities would be suspicious and would, uh, unfortunately, they, they have to doubt everything. But at the same time, they have to have a procedure right. for vetting these. Yes. And uh, it, it's all about implementation of a procedure where they equally enforce their, their policies on anyone who comes to them. It could be that they get to the decision that this person, this is a fake. But they've got to get there the right way, and just well an outright denial mm-hmm. is not proper. And unfortunately, people are taking advantage of it. They're not people that I'd represent, but um, it's, it's it's a problem throughout the country. With and that's why people need a lawyer right now when they're getting legitimately rejected. 
So because you're called Boston Dog Lawyers, you obviously do other law, too. I don't imagine that that keeps the lights on, just dog law. But do you find people coming to you because you do very well know both the emotional and the practical aspects and elements of ESA dogs and uh, these situations? So that's one of the things that we do. Uh, we are national in that I get calls from all over the country, and I'm developing affiliates in other states where I can refer the case out to. Or, That's for smart. instance, we have a case in New Hampshire that I got admitted just for this case to, to represent the client. So, Explain uh, what you mean by admitted. Admitted to the bar of New Hampshire for this one right. case? Wow. For is that one case. Is that unusual in the legal field, or does that happen quite a lot? Um, it, it can happen, and the... In this particular case, uh, it's a pretty sensitive case because this my client, I'm one of three people defending her. She's been accused, and the, the news has hit uh, actually internationally that she was cruel to her dogs. And we don't typically take cruelty cases, but this isn't about physical abuse. This is about neglect, and it's a gray area. And I've looked at the facts and circumstances, and I just don't see this my client as being somebody who's guilty of the crime of animal neglect. And uh, it's rare that I would take a case like this, but I believe in it enough that I connected with her New York, uh, New Hampshire attorney. So for one particular case, you can be uh, admitted to, to argue for that case. I'll be darned. But was this a person who herself was compromised and then therefore couldn't give the animals the level of care that somebody would make a standard of, which, as you know, is a gray area? I mean, in well, Vermont, where I live in New Hampshire, it's legal to keep a dog, for example, on an eight-foot chain with an outdoor – you don't even have to actually have an outdoor dwelling for it, I don't think – 24 hours a day, 365 days a year. That is legal. Now, to me, that's in, abuse. It isn't just neglect, but that's legal. So does it have anything to do with that? the dogs being kept outdoors, or is it food, or what? Uh, in this instance, it was just the amount of dogs, and, um, you know, once once – information gets out there and pictures get out there before right. facts do, it can really bring somebody down. And it could be that in this particular case uh, regarding uh, a woman who had 84 Great Danes, maybe she is ultimately uh, guilty of some type of criminal neglect. I don't see it, but my involvement is to, to say, hey, let's get there the right way. Let's get to the decision the right way instead of letting um, the pictures dominate the story. Can we just bring the facts out? And unfortunately, people online are clobbering me for jumping in on this case, but facts are important to me, and, and that's why I'm involved here. And like you say, in New Hampshire, if you look at some of the things that go on in New Hampshire through the eyes of a Massachusetts resident, right. we, we couldn't keep our dogs outside. Right. You, you have time limits, and, and you have to have food and water. But in New Hampshire, there is no limit to the amount of dogs you can have. The rules are, are they're looser. Uh, it's live yes. for your die. So uh, you have to adjust based on the, on the state as to um, what, what is the standard of care. Because one of the interesting things about being a lawyer, I say this having you know any number of lawyer friends, is that you're upholding the law. I mean, you're also probably upholding a client, but it's the law that you serve in a sense, isn't it? So you want to make sure that the law is being properly used and not misused. Exactly, because too often in dog cases, and the reason I started this firm is because the law is not even considered in some of the decisions that are made. Right. For instance, I have a case on tomorrow, a trial, where my client's dog, Kingsley, uh, he, he, another dog came on his property, a much smaller dog, he bit him, and, and the dog died. And I usually don't take death cases, but here, they immediately seize Kingsley. He's been in jail, essentially, for four months. Wow. But the other dog didn't have a leash on, and the owners admit that they walked away and just let the dog roam. So that's one thing that they've done wrong. But more importantly, in Massachusetts and in many states, in order to seize a dog and impound a dog who's, who, who might be dangerous, you need a judge's order. The town that we're going up against never got a judge's order. They never they quarantined the dog indefinitely, something you can't do. But you would only know this if you had the law in front of you. Right. And it's on, you know, in the middle of page 6, subsection 2C1 right. that will tell right. you. And, and I'm very fortunate that I've, I've found one thing, one thing that I can absorb, digest, and, and, and help people with. It's, it's the dog statutes in, in many states. It's interesting because 
the law, as you said earlier about the ES, the emotional support animals, has to be applied thoughtfully and evenly and logically and and according to what's written down on pieces of paper that have preceded. And to simply seize a dog, I mean, that's illegal theft of the dog, seizure of the dog. I mean, that the way that they, it's like when they throw out a criminal case because the person wasn't given their Miranda rights or right. somebody looked for the, the so-called drugs without doing it the correct way, then that evidence is useless. Yeah. So, I mean, the same idea. And and to think that, you know, dogs do bite each other. And if someone, you know, again, I'm sure there's all kinds of laws about how well restrained the dog is that winds up hurting the other dog. And what about whose property it's on? I know in Vermont, there's all kinds in Texas or someplace. Maybe this is such a Wild West country, basically. When somebody's on your property, or a thing like an animal's on your property, which by the law considers them a thing, you have every right to quote unquote defend yourself. I Meaning you could shoot right. people on your property, which seems pretty insane, but that's in the, some states. In I, some I states, can't right. Say that's everywhere. No, no, but I'm saying that the law, you know, the law has to be regarded depending on where you're, where you're based. Um, I, it, it's, it's interesting about those 84 Great Danes. Would that be, one of those things which, and I'm thinking going back a year or two, there were photos of like a big mansion with young and old Great Danes pooing and, and peeing and, and, and living on the human furniture in a kind of crazy way. Is that that, is that, that situation? That's the case. That is the situation. And I can tell you, uh, I've been to the house, and this woman spent $35,000 a month to care for her dogs. They uh, collectively went to the vet over an 18-month period 289 times for the slightest issue. She had a staff of five at one time working for her. And uh, you mentioned this earlier that sometimes things go awry. She got injured. Uh, some of the staff started to leave. But inst- what I think should have happened is instead of a surprise raid at gunpoint, wow. uh, how, about, how about knocking on the door and saying, look, you got a lot of dogs here. What can we do? Can we help right. rehome some of them? Right. What, but see, that doesn't sell. What sells is putting a picture up of a dog that has cherry eye and saying, donate, donate right. to us. Please donate right. to us. Because the cherry eye complaint, which is a dog that has actually looks like two cherries in front of their eyes, that's genetic. That charge was dismissed because that's not uh, any result of being neglect, neglectful or cruel. It's genetic in European Great Danes, and even if you have surgery, it comes back. So to use that picture uh, as propaganda, that's why I'm involved, because that's not a fact that should be considered whether my client is guilty or not. There's other things that should be considered, but the cherry eye is not one of them, but that's the picture we all remember. Interesting. And, 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 you know, there, there were strange photos that looked like something from, I don't know, Diane Arbus or something of this grand mansion and these dogs kind of living in a certain kind of squalor on this human furniture, which was clearly once very nice human furniture and now have been great Danized. Of course, what's needed in a situation like that is a, the woman's a hoarder. Call it. One can use whatever word they want, but we who are on the pet side of it know that that woman's a hoarder. Now, hoarders can be rich and they can be poor and they can be mentally ill and they can be maybe not even mentally ill. But circumstances can change, and what should go in in those situations is not guns, but a human social worker and somebody from animal care and control to come in and help solve a problem. Making it criminal or legal is no solution at all, right? Right, but then how would the Humane Society get $500,000 in donations over this? You know, where would they'd never be able to, to dramatize a social worker coming in to raise some money. And the, so you're absolutely right. There's just so many better ways to handle this than at gunpoint. Um, and, uh, again, we'll all know once the facts are in right. what, what the ultimate determination is, but... Um, unfortunately, she, my client's been clobbered in the, in the newspapers and in the media. Um, and, and one thing about her is people would think, well, what is winning for her? Miss Faye is not looking to get her dogs back. She's looking to have them all rehomed and has been trying to for several months to the right places because they're European Great Danes and it takes a certain kind of owner. She's not looking to win and keep her dogs. She's looking to to win so that she's not put in jail or subject to uh, what will now be a million-dollar fine. Wow. You know, it's, it's, it's really interesting, Jeremy. 
how dramatic these things can get. And I don't think that saying that a, hum- a, a humane society um, is taking advantage of it. I mean, they're brought in after the fact, after the police and after the guns. I don't think anyone would say that they mastermounted this sort of an overtaking situation in order to make a buck uh, off will. it. I will. Really? I will because they were really? involved before the raid. They were ah. involved before the raid. And I have seen I see. investigation after investigation here where it at least creates some doubt. Uh, Got just it. like Got there's it. some doubt as to whether Miss Faye is guilty, there's some doubt as to when the HSUS jumped in. But ultimately, I mean, you got to believe their hearts and goals are all in the same place. Like, Let's, let's rescue the dogs. But I just think that those are things that need to be looked at deeper. Um, as I've learned, bullies, I don't like bullies. So i got to at least look at their behavior I right? like just it. to make sure it was done right. You know, I, I really like that sensibility because while protecting the animals is important, you're a lawyer for humans. And people wind up in very extreme situations for reasons that are not always completely patently clear. And it's, you know, it's just in in conclusion, I think it's wonderful to have a lawyer who feels passionately about animals, but also to defend the rights of the people who are their guardians. Because in the end of the day, all these dogs wind up being owned by humans who are the ones who come to you and and hire you. So we've run out of time, but I think it's they're fascinating conversations and the morals and the ethics and the legality all go together. And I think it's really important to understand there are gray areas and good for you for shining a light on them and and helping to clarify it is most interesting. Thank you, Tracy. Thanks Great so show. much, Johnny. Thanks for having me. Really appreciate it. Take care. Thank you all for listening. I'm going to ask you to kiss your kitties and hug your dogs because I do that every week, and I look forward to talking to you again next week. Bye for now. Thanks.